Hello, my friends. Welcome to Let's Talk. My name is Shay Marville, and I think one of the most important skills in this world is being able to have a conversation with a friend or a foe. Let's Talk is a podcast about listening, growing, connecting, and hoping through compassion and talking. And I mean really talking about the good things and the hard things, and with remarkable people living in a remarkable time. So let's talk. On today's show, I have the great honor of having visual artist Winsome Winsome. She fuses her Arawak, Maroon, and African ancestry with her own spiritual adventures. She is an activist, a mother, a teacher. She was once the tutor to Bob Marley. Winsome, welcome to Let's Talk. So let's talk. <laughs> Hello, Shay. I haven't <laughs> talked to you in a while, but it was nice. I remember doing work with you at the Science Center and kind of miss you at the Science Center. But Aww. we all have to move on. I still remember doing the Mandela with, with flowers. Yes. And... and not one picture of it. I've been still been trying to get the pictures. You know what? It's it's so funny because I think we took so many pictures, but they I don't know where they are. And you know, that was before we had our phones where we could keep everything. Yes. So um I've you know I have to ask the archives of the science. Yeah, I would love to get a picture. I don't I talk about it, but I don't have a pic it's, any picture. Isn't that and wild? That's so wild that we don't have those pictures. Yeah. I gave somebody my camera to take pictures and nothing came out. And then they forgot. The ones they took, you couldn't see anything. And then they forgot about it because they were, I think, um, Wade um, Wade Davis had just arrived and they were more interested in getting to see Wade Davis. Yeah. (laughs) So. Wow. Well, well, I Are you in I touch with Wade Davis? I'm not. I'm not no. actually. And uh, I mean, there's so many people that are no longer, you know, connected to, but then there's so many people that you can reach out to now yeah. because of, of technology. Now, now, the last time I saw you, you were in Toronto and now you are in Belize. Yes. And soon back to be in Toronto. Uh, oh, really? You're coming back? Well, we're getting, selling our place and moving back. Yeah. Wow. Toronto is home. I live all over the world and I'm told, but, and I'm told to be in Belize, but I can come here and visit and do what I need to do. But I also need to be in Toronto because I do love Toronto and I this, find I miss it. The story of how you got to Belize is kind of interesting, though. Do you, you, I heard that you you were, it was almost like a prophecy. Like someone said to you that, that you'd end up there and you're like, no, I wouldn't. Well, when they told me that there was no place named Belize because I went home and looked on it. It was a Ojibwe shaman and I couldn't find anything to do with Belize. He didn't even know me. He just stopped me on the road and I couldn't find anything to do with Belize. And so I thought, okay, that's it. Um, that's it. And he even told me I'd be wearing white. 
And then he had a design that was supposed to be on my, um, on the back of my clothing. And I let all that go um, because there's no place named Belize. I looked in every atlas and everything and there was no Belize. And then years, years and years later, I was visiting, um, I needed to go on a holiday and I wanted an all-inclusive that I could afford. Yes, yes. Because, um, you know, there are, I just come off doing really some heavy work and illnesses. And so went into the travel agent and everything she showed me too expensive. So because I had in my mind, like Grand Cayman and other places, couldn't mm. afford it. Sorry, sorry, can't afford it. And then suddenly she said to me, she said, we just got a new, some new places that have opened up and they're entering into the tourism um, thing. And they're giving some really good prices. Maybe you'd like to go there. I don't know anything about the um, what it would be like and stuff. And she said, I said, where's that? She said, Belize. I just about fell off the chair. Belize, there's a place called Belize. I've never heard of it. I've never seen. And she said, yes, yes, because it all came rushing back what this man had said to me. And we, um, she showed it and it, we, we were, could afford it. I could afford to go there for uh, two weeks. Um, so we did do that. And um it turned out Belize used to be British Honduras. That's why I couldn't find it. And the name was changed a couple of years back um, when they got their independence. So I don't know how he knew this because even the description of going to the mountains, not the ocean that he had told me about, was all there. It was all there, you know. So I find it very, the universe works in funny that's, ways. That's fascinating. But you've always been a person who believes in this kind of interconnectedness of, of things and experience, right? Yes, and we're all connected and we're collect connected to the other places that you don't know and can't see, um, you know. So what's happening here, something different is happening in the next plane. It may be the future, it may be the past. They're all at the same time. How did you come to have this understanding of uh, there being another world that exists and having a relationship with, with that world or being able to have a relationship with the past? And, and is it the future as well or just The past? future, past and future. How did you, um, come, how did you come to, to find that understanding for yourself? I was conscious of it when I was around four. I knew at the age of four, I knew how I'm going to die, when I'm going to die. I know all those things I wish I didn't know. Hmm. So every time the doctors have said I'm very sick, I have many illness and say, call in my family that this is it, da, da, da. and I'm like, no, this isn't how I'm dying. And this isn't the time that I'm going to die and stuff like that. So I just put it aside. And, you know, everybody is there worried about me. And I'm like, I'm not worried. I know when I'm to be worried. Um, and I'm not really worried about that either. Yes. But I know when it's going to happen, when I should say my goodbyes and stuff. At the age of four, I knew. I really, really knew. And I told my parents at the age of four, that I was going to be an artist. I didn't want to do anything else. I didn't need to go to school. I just going to do my art, be an artist. And my dad said I had to go to school 
And I had to go to school. And I said, for what? He said, well, I said, I know what I want to know already. And he said, well, you know, if you, um, you need to know how to manage your money. So you need math, you need the, all this sort of things. And I'm like looking at him and thinking, but I, I know how to do that already. I was thinking anyways, I didn't. Um, <laughs> to, I mean, to the extent that it is, I know from within a spiritual realm how to do those things, but yes. um, this realm, I'm not very aware how to, but I came knowing even the way I was born was different than most people. My mother was told that she was going to have um, this girl. And even my name was given to me by an old lady, an old man who came to my mother in her dream. So everything about me is a little bit different. And I always knew I was different and wasn't worried about anything. And, was all, and I didn't feel I really belonged to this planet. I live here and I have an earth mother, but I also have a spiritual mother and I can go in the ocean and be there for a long time. And that's my spiritual mother. So like if I'm going to eat fish or things from the sea, I have to do a whole ritual before I do it because it's like eating my brothers and sister. They're my totem. Mm -hmm. And I tend not to do anyways. Um, but on the other hand, you know, when I, going to the ocean for rituals and stuff. I can go down, they show me things. Um, I use it for healing and, ev and everything. But when I'm in another space, I am traveling into other dimensions and I'm seeing things, getting medicines. And, you know, you can come and talk to me and I won't even see that you're there because I'm not here. I'm somewhere else. And sometimes I'm being, you know, the doctors are amazed that I'm still alive with lupus mm. at this age, because usually you don't live this long. And I've had many other major medical stuff, but I don't let it stop me also, because I know it is just something I'm passing through and I can see what will happen down. I know what's going to happen down the road. So you, for instance, oh, sorry, no, you go ahead. For instance, you said. For instance, when I was um, doing my sh first show at the ATO, um, you know, I was very sick, but nobody knew that. I was going for chemotherapy and then um, others was helping me. Um, my assistant, my daughter was coming in from university to help me lift stuff because I couldn't lift anything hmm. and all that. And I did it and I came off and I did the show and nobody knew I was sick at that time. Wow. This is just a yeah. passing thing. So you've all, you've all, when you, if like when you experience illness, you see yourself sort of passing through it, not succumbing to it. Yes. Did you, were you groomed from young, from, from very young to be a medicine person or to be a, a person who understood that the medicine world? When I was young, Plants used to talk to me and a lot of different things talked to me. Animals, I could hear them and I could feel them. And even if you don't hear them, I could feel them. I could see them and I knew how they were feeling. Even today I can, you know, like I've been all morning making dog food. Um, I make my own dog food because my dogs want certain kind of food. And as I'm making it, it tells me, I hear the dog saying, I want this in there. And I look and so I go and I put get it and I put it in. And Mar Marlene, my housemate, keeps reminding me 
the dogs, they're, your, they're the house dogs, not to people. I said, they are people. They are four-legged people. And she said, yeah, I know that. But I mean, you seem to go out of your way to find the things that they need. But, you know, I honor the two-legged, the four-legged, the one-legged. If a tree, if I need to cut a tree down, and I'm not saying you can't cut a tree down. But if you need right. to cut a tree down, talk to it, ask it, give it, tell it why you need to do that. And maybe if you know ahead of time, then collect some seeds and plant it somewhere else. So that tree continues. You know, that's how I've always lived. My parents aren't like that. My mother is, very, is a little bit, but she's very not fully um, like that. When I was little, they used to refer to me as a throwback. And I, it was I very negative. From, yeah, it was very negative to me at the time. Now I realized they were saying, I am part of the ancestors. I work with the ancestors and they talk to me. They tell me what to do. Because I was doing things in the house and they would ask, my dad would say to me, why are you doing that? I said, I don't know. I just feel I should do it. And when I, years later, grown up, and I went back to Ghana, I found they did these things at night and things like that was done. But you were never taught them. You just were born knowing, knowing. that this, this is these are things that I do. And you, yes. you were born in Jamaica, correct? Close to the water. Uh, I'm a child of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was yes. born in Jamaica. I'm a maroon. You've heard of the maroons? Of course, yes. So I'm you a are dis you're a descendant of the maroons. I'm a descendant of the maroons. And my family side is connected you ever heard of nanny of the maroons yes we are um that's my family side oh i did not know that really i don't talk about my family side very much mainly mm. partly because it's not important it's what they did is is important mm -hmm. but now it's what i do that's important how i treat people what i do for people and stuff like that is important, not living off them. Like somebody wanted to do, put in something in an article about an aunt of mine. And, I'm, and I said, well, uh, you know, that's her lineage. That's what she d does. And, you know, I'm working on my own. I don't mm -hmm. need to, you know. That's the maroon culture is very, is very powerful uh, in Jamaica. Has that... Do you think that has informed who you were when in your early stages of life? Not because my family had moved away from the area. Ah, okay. I went back as a young child to find out because I needed to know why certain things was happening and why mm -hmm. I was doing certain things. And so I was taken and was put, did some of the rituals that they do and was taught some of the rituals. Um, in the cave so you know i knew it before they were just um letting me know yes you're not um you're not people think that you're strange in what you do but you're not this is your heritage this is part of who you are and then when and i was somebody who didn't like people touching me or stuff i still don't um hugging me and that sort of thing i bow to people Yes. I bow. I don't shake hands. I bow. You bow and you and hug. 
you bow and you hug. It, and I will hug if I know you yes, and I okay. trust you yes. and I can, and I feel I read your energy because I read people's energy. Hmm. And it's what, does that, energy. what does that mean? Read people's energy. Like what, what does that mean to you? To me, it means when I see you, my energy meets your energy and we do an exchange of, I scan you, you're a good person. I can relate to you in not just on the surface because I relate to most people on the surface mm. Mm. because I see that, you know, dark side in the dark heart or whatever. I don't know what to call it. Or they may pretend to like you, love you, but actually it's just because they feel they should be doing that. It's not a gen- not coming from the, from the, from their souls and their yeah. spirit. So I mm. deal with people on a spirit level. So authentic, sincere level. And does, does that energy exchange inform the kind of art that you you're creating and sharing like are you as an artist are you are you energy driven like what drives you as an artist i refer to myself as a spiritual artist i'm just the vessel that the work is coming through many times i don't even know what i'm gonna do like I'm working on a new piece. I know one thing was given to me, one item. And from that item, I knew I started having dreams that I should use it in such a way. Yes, I knew I was working on a new show, but I didn't know what it would be about. Mm-hmm. And here, this item, I've learned a lot of my history because of this one item mm-hmm. um, in dreams. And when I thought, okay, I'll just use, for instance, I remember just wanting to use um, a certain color. Um, I think it was blue because I really like blue. <laughs> and it was the ocean, the sky. And in the dream, it says, no, you're going to use red for yeah. the ancestors, for blood, for yeah. this, for that. And I'm like, okay, I got up in the morning and I'm like, but I have no red paint, Um, (laughs) you know, and stuff. And I started to do it. And then little by little, other things come and then I write a piece and then it's done and the piece is done. And it's not finished, but I mean, one oh, and then I wait and I sat back and waited. I thought I was finished and then it came back again. Oh no, you have to do this, this and this. So... Um, like I don't know how to do it. Has that been has that been hard being the being a human being who gets this sort of inspiration and knowledge um, and and capacity around creating from in ways that are not traditional or necessarily easy to explain to the the average person? Has it been challenging being doing that kind of art? I think most artists get is a vessel, but they don't even realize it uh-huh. um, because they're not very conscious of, or, you know, somebody will say, I don't like that person, but they don't stop to figure why don't they? Their energy told them stop right there. You know, people need to start paying more attention to things that are being told to them. So for me as an artist doing that, because the art is the easier part because I don't only 
read people just on the surface to see if my energy should work with them. But I'll be walking down, for instance, a simple thing I remember. And I remember this one because it, it took everybody by surprise. We were going for dinner. This was in Canada, in Toronto. I was going, we were going for breakfast or lunch or something. And we had the particular restaurant to go to. And we went there and it was closed. Yes. And I'm like... And Marlene suggested going to the one near. And I bring up Marlene because she is my assistant. She protects me. She was initiated in Africa to make sure that I am all right and people don't think that I is uh, delusional or something. So she mm -hmm. will correct people or say, if she's telling you that, then somebody's telling her that. She's actually, they refer to her as my linguist in Africa. Your linguist for this world, for the yes. for this for yes. this planetary kind of experience. Yes, because a lot of people would think that something she's mentally challenged or something, <laughs> because I do things like, for instance, this story, and we went to the restaurant, it was closed. So she's, we were passing another restaurant that I don't like. And she said, let's go there. And I said, but I don't really like it. And she said, and I said, okay, because you want to go, let's go. We, it's just breakfast. And we went in and we sat down. And as we sat down across the, just a few tables over was a group of young guys, maybe 20s, in their 20s, 1920s. And I sat there and I started getting messages for one of them in there. The guys? One of the guys of the group. So I got up from the tape, my tape. I said, I have to go and talk to those guys. And she said, oh, I thought we were just having breakfast because she's used to this happening with different. And I went over and I spoke to him and I said, um, I said, I don't know. I feel I need to talk to you. And he all pulled back and I said, you need to call your mother. You need to talk to your mother. And he said, and he, the others just stood staring at me. And he said, one, I said, because you're ill. And you need to make amends with your mother and a couple other things. I don't remember what else was said. And I told him what to look for in his illness. I remember that much, but I don't remember anything else after that. And I went and sat down and very tired after. And, and then he got up shortly after that and went to the bathroom and one of the guys from the table came over to the table and said, I'm glad you told him to talk to his mother. He hasn't spoken to his mother for maybe 15 years because he's gay and his parents don't agree with, with his lifestyle. And yes, we know he's sick, but they're not sure what, what it is. And they want to do exploratory surgery. And he, But it's exactly in the area that you suggested that they look. And... and mm, no, first I think they came and asked Marlene, who, who, why does she do that? And Marlene was, thought they were angry at me. And she said, no, whatever she's telling you is what is coming to her. And then, so, the, guy, and then the guys told us what they knew. So are, you, so are you a medium? Is that what you would, would I mean, I mean, I know you don't want, you don't like classifications. Uh, but I don't 
think I'm a medium because it doesn't happen all the time. I mean, it happens when it's needed. Like if you came to me and asked me to do something for you or read for you, I couldn't. No. Or maybe no. I could, but I could. I don't. I don't. I don't. Yes, I, yes. You know, and that was one of the things that helped push me out of Toronto. One, finances. I just couldn't live there anymore financially. And two, it. Um, I needed, for my body, I needed the sun um, to be healed and the ocean nearby to use it, which is what I have done. So now I think I can go back. But also... It's people were calling me to do reading for them because I was at a function with, I don't know if you've ever heard of Maladome Some. Yes. Yeah. Actually uh, through you, through you. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was working um, there. I was there at their thing and certain things happened. And after that, um, it turned out that somebody that was there was from a radio station and wanted to do an interview. And I wouldn't do it. And when I got home, they called and said, I, we can do it from your house. And so I said, mm, not sure. anyways, I, just, I said, I would do it. And the night before, a lot of stuff started happening and things giving me messages and stuff. And then when, the, when he came on, it was supposed to, he told, had explained that we'd have breaks and stuff yes. in between. And there was no break. They couldn't take a break. They just kept talking because yeah, I was no longer talking. You the were entity. talking, but the, but something was speaking through you. Yes. And then whatever was said, and they were supposed to record it and send me a recording of whatever I said, because usually I don't remember. If Marlene is there, she'll tell me later what happened. It's like almost a trance, I think, or something. I don't know if it's a trance, but I don't remember most of the stuff. It's afterwards I'll get be told by somebody who was there. I've had people come up to me and say, a woman just called me the other day and said, thank you for speaking to me when you at uh, somebody's, um, when they're doing something and you really put me on the right path. And I said, I don't even remember her. Never seen her. Never talk. I don't remember talking to her. And she kept telling me stuff I told her and that she's now doing. And this is like 10 years later in Belize here. So, so anyway, so when did that first, when did that first start happening? Were you a young person or a teenager? Around four or five. Uh, but my, my mother was protecting me. She would like, oh, don't listen to her. She later on as an adult, my mother said she had to do that. I asked, I told her that she didn't really like me. Um, they always putting me down and she said, no, I had to protect you because you don't know what people will do with you as a child when you have those gifts and don't, and she said, you, um, so if I would say stuff about Peter, I don't like that person because this, this, and this, and it always turned out it was right. But you had a, also a pretty extraordinary um, teenage and early adult life, you know, when you were going to school and, and also teaching, I heard a story that, that at one point you, were a tutor for Bob Marley. Is that right? Yeah, it was an after-school program to after-school program, him and his gang of people. And we were just, um, 
he needed, they needed help. And I was too young to go to art school. And so my dad suggested that I do volunteer work because I wanted to go to art school. And you had to be a certain age. You had to be 18. And I was already finished high school when I was very young. Um, I was finished. And so he... So I tutored and taught for maybe two years through the YMCA and other programs that they have in the country. And what happened was um, it turned out he was one of my students. I mean, we never knew he would turn out to be who he was. He was 16, 16, around 16. And he spent all his time wanting to play football and run out. I'd get him through the back into the door and his friends would be gone out through the door and stuff. And he would come in and the jukebox would be playing and he would pick up the guitar and um, the broom and start playing and said one day I'm going to be famous and I said you'd have to sit and write if I'd kept all his little writings man I could make money (laughs) that would be something do you remember what he was like as a as as a person Really coming into him himself at that point. Yeah, and I knew, and I met, and when he got older, um, he remembered me, and whenever he played anywhere that I was, he would have me um, attend attend and had tickets for me and I went to Jamaica a couple of years back and went to decide to go to his house if when he was younger I'd never been there that his mother thing lived in where he's buried now and he was buried there and I thought only oh, some friends were with me and they wanted to go and we went I couldn't believe we got we were told by the hotel we had to be there very early because you wouldn't get in and we got there by 7 30 and so we left the hotel like at 5 30 mm-hmm. and when we got there the lineup was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it down the road and stuff. And a lot of them were Japanese, Asian. I think they were Asian, Japanese down the road. So my friend stayed in line, wanted to, and I said, I'm not going to wait around to go into this place. And they said, "Um, we'll stay in line, you can go. And so I walked up to the gate to see and when it was really open and stuff, I think it was nine o'clock or something. So I walked up to the gate and just stood looking in. And there were like four guys harassing them with big hair looking. I sit in there and they looked up and they looked. And I said, Miss Winsome, it's teacher, teacher, teacher. <laughs> and they remembered me. Wow. And they, they're in charge of the place or overseers. And they say, come on in, sit with And I said, no, I have my friends here. Oh, go get your friends. So we went in before it was open. And we sat. Wow. And so it paid off. And so we sat down and, uh, you know, I talked with them. My friends went to see us um, around the place. And I sat with them and talked to them and how they were doing and stuff. Because I hadn't seen them in years. But they remembered me. Yeah, that's quite something. You you also, around that same time where you were volunteering, you were starting to become more politically active, right? I was and, always and, political. Oh, you were always political? I was always political. And I was always saying to my family, why aren't those kids um, in high school? Why do they have to live in, to my grandparents, why do they live in shacks and stuff like that? And I was always trying to convince, and I didn't believe what they said. 
um, mm. about that. And then I went to, and then at art school, I was involved in radio show uh, on, um, shows and stuff. And then, uh, no, but there's a show you were involved in. In, in I don't talk about that show. <laughs> Okay, what was what was the I name? I was young. I was at that show. I was really, really young. I was, you know, and I didn't even know I was doing teaching craft while Uncle Barry was was doing his thing. What was the name of the show? I don't remember. Uncle Barry <laughs> and Auntie Davis or so, Auntie Winston. <laughs> um, I don't really. T- it's part of my life I've completely forgotten about until yes. you started talking to me. Because yes. I've done so, so many things. That's what people keep telling me. You don't realize how much you have done. And then and then I was connected to the radio television station, JBC, I think it's called, JBC. And um, there was a man lecturing at the university by the name of Walter Rodney. Yes. And so, and I wasn't at the the university, I was at the art college then. And so I went up to, would go because there were many people who wanted to hear him and he couldn't, and they had to pay to be at the university. And then, so he took his class, I remember, outside um, the fence underneath a tree and held his class and a lot of Jamaicans were there who were harassed in different kind where he was talking uh, political and with things we hadn't heard before you know because we had only heard the colonial side of things yes. and he was teaching us a lot of stuff and then he went um, and then the university I'm not quite sure what happened I think the university a couple of the students complained because they didn't think they, they're paying money and they shouldn't be outside sitting on stoop in the fence to take their class. And right. so the university told him he had to stop. He had to do the class in class. And if anybody wants to, then they pay to come and do the course. Hmm. So he kind of stopped. I forget what happened there. But then he went to, he was sent on a mission. I can't remember. He was invited to some function out of the country to do a talk or whatever. I don't remember exactly what happened, but when we, but then they wouldn't let him back in the country. His wife was there and stuff and his children, because I've pictures, had pictures of them and stuff, which I actually recently, um, before when I was moving here, gave to somebody um, <laughs> and Marshall to give to them because he's- so, Oh, to you, you gave it to Professor Clem Marshall. To, yes. to give to the Rodney family. Yeah, oh. because I had pictures of her and the kids and stuff like that that I, we had taken over time and stuff. Yes. And what happened, they wouldn't allow him back in the country. So we decided to hold a peaceful demonstration mm-hmm. to have him back in the country. And we were there and then it became out of hand other people who were upset at the government and stuff, they started turning buses over, setting things on fire. And it wasn't the students. Mm. It was the general public who was not happy with the what was happening in the country. And so we, 
I still remember in one of the margin, the, the soldier, and then they called out the soldiers. We're at the Minister of Education right by the park. Oh, my goodness. Um, you're sending me back. <laughs> and as we were there demonstrating and stuff, the government had called out the army to um, to attack us. To, and so we had on horses and running. And as we were running down the street, I remember this this store opening their doors and giving us piles of stuff. I didn't even know what it was at the time. And say, throw it behind you. Turned out it was marbles. They were just given. We threw it. The horses couldn't run on the marbles, so we got away. Astonishing! Oh my goodness! <laughs> so wow. we got so we got away. You... But they had a few pictures of a number of us. Yes, but yes. we weren't really doing anything, but we were leading the demonstration. And then we, and then they shut down all, we couldn't talk on the radio, we couldn't talk on anything, because I being at the radio station, I was able to open it up and, oh, no, I didn't do that. Ooh, I just remember they're still trying to figure out who did that. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's stop right there for a second. <laughs> and, and so we'll stop there. Yeah. And we'll go from you threw marbles, you threw marbles, and the horses couldn't run on the marbles. And then you start with, how did you get away? And there were tear gas and throwing tear gas too. And we were going to run into a preschool that was there. And then we decided they would tear gas the school. So we didn't go in. We got away. People helped us to get away. And then we reunited um, at the university. Mm. And we, I ran the press. I was one of the people who knew how presses were run and stuff. Yeah, because I was from the art school. I wasn't from the university. I was yes. in the art school. And so we did a lot of posters and stuff, and we were getting in, wanted to get it out and go to the radio stations and stuff, but they'd shut down that we couldn't be on it. So, and we couldn't, and the police had surrounded the, and soldiers, the university. And for us to get out, we were, I was smuggled, some were smuggled out, and I was smuggled out in the trunk of a car with a couple other people. Um, because the person who came in to get me, they knew the person and they figured he wouldn't be up to anything. But he came in and he, he got us a number of us in the trunk of the car. So they didn't even search his car when he was leaving and we were in the trunk. Were you afraid? Were you afraid? No, I made up myself. If we are over, if we're going to do, if you're going to do something, you have to make up your mind that you may not see the next morning. And for me, people who go out and do a demonstration because they think it's nice and nice and pretty and they'll go home to their apartment, they're not with the movement. They're not mm. seriously willing to give their life for what they believe in. And mm. I was seriously believe in giving my life for what I believed in. How old I were you? To see About that time, like around what? 20. 19 or 20 and and why what was it that you wanted to to change at that point or be a part I, of at this moment i cannot the other day i was trying to think <laughs> what was that all for um for me the little bit i could come was the oppression of black people you never saw black people in the banks as being tellers in front of it. You always saw, I always saw black people as 
sweeping the floors or in the marketplace and stuff in a black country mm. and as a black person. And I'm not, and I have both white and black on my family side. Yes, yes. See my yes. hair? It won't yes. locks very well. Uh, <laughs> yes, and, yes. And so, but for me, I thought that everybody, if you, everybody should have the opportunity for an education. Mm. And that was one of the things we were all so fighting for, free education for everybody. It was only the wealthy and the upper class people who um, got free and could go to school because it was expensive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, yeah. So, and, and Jamaica at that point was still under colonial rule, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, were you inspired by Angela Davis at that point? Is that why Angela yeah, Davis? Yeah, Angela Davis, um, yeah, and she actually helped us, you know, we got somehow got in touch with messages to her and she actually told us, I don't know if I've given out all the top secrets here, I mean, <laughs> because we may need to use it again. And we, you know, we got our message into other countries and they broadcasted it back into our country. So people oh. could hear what was going on. Right, right. So she was a she was an ally. She was an yeah. ally. Yeah, she was an ally. So was that the first time you saw her again when we were at the science center when she? Yeah, came? you heard us talking about it, didn't you? Yes, I did. <laughs> well, I was surprised. I didn't know that you had had known one another before that. Yeah. Yeah. We had had for for the listeners. We um, we had had Angela Davis come for the International Day for the Elimination of Racism in uh, the mid '90s, and it was actually the first time she had come back to Canada since she was banned from coming to Canada uh, that year. And and so many things happened, but that was the first time I knew that you two had known each other previously. Yeah, it's through this, through the struggle. Through the struggle, and, and the struggle continues now. Yes, and I have a different outtake on the struggle now though. I would not, I don't think it's up to us as black people to fight the struggle. I think it's our ally who want or call themselves an ally. They need to go out and do it. They need to say, well, why aren't any, you know, we, you have one token black hair. Um, why is that? There are many brilliant people. If, um, and you show and start showing, I think, what is it? What company is doing some really great ad in the States? And I can't remember. I saw it, um, um, widen the screen, I think it's mm. called. Have you seen it? I have not seen it, actually. Widen the screen, and I can't. Somehow I think it may be Procter & Gamble. I'm not sure, but really? it's I'm not sure who it is. I can look for it and send it. It's called widen, Widening the Screen, and they show Black people in the store, the man watching, and just how they watch, and then only to show that they have another life. Black people have a good life or another life or brilliant people. And mm-hmm. I think they're doing nine in a series. I've only seen one. Oh, interesting. I will, I will look that, I will look that yeah. up. It's called widening the screen the or screen. widening. Yeah. Widening, widening. 
So yeah. don't just look at us like here that we yes. are black and stuff. Look at us as whole beings, all the thing. We are mothers, we're fathers, we have yes. brothers and sisters. Um, I've seen one or two and I thought they were really, really good. Yes, yeah. Look at the diversity of of yeah. who people and I'm not black sure if they create I don't think they create I think somebody came up with the idea and they're sponsoring it our company is sponsoring all the filming and stuff like that are you amazed at at the kind of uh sort of inclusive campaigning that's happening around you know black lives matter and um looking at you know, how to address anti-Black racism, you know, that's, that's a movement that is, is newer, but it's born out of all the movements that have come before. I know a lot of people are not going to happy with what I say, especially my Black comment. I do not like Black Lives Matter. You do not? No. (laughs) May I ask why? I think all lives matter. Mm-hmm. Even the people who are racist, we need to teach them. It's because they were taught racism. And not we, not me as a black person, mm-hmm. but other white people need to teach them and show them that what they were taught is not right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, if I, I could be an elitist, I grew up in a affluent kind of um, household yes, and yes. I could live up there and not see the person on the street mm-hmm. but because I got to know and understand people on the street I talk to them I stuff I may not be able to give them anything but they're humans yeah and there's one race there's no white red blue green whatever race it's one race the human race Mm-hmm. And to me, is that human race matter. Yes. And I guess that's where I'm coming from. And maybe because I'm 75, have gone through all that. So maybe they have to go through that and they'll come to the understanding that it's not up to us to change. It's up to parents. You as an adult, as a black woman, need to invite your children's white friends over into your house, let them see you as regular, just like their mom. And I know you do, but I'm just saying most yeah, people, no, some people yeah, stay away, just keep their being and stuff. My kids were taught they have all friends, Jewish, Native, everybody, East Indian, you name it, they have it. Mm-hmm. I celebrated all the holidays because all the holidays were important. We knew people who were Jewish, so they went to them and did Hanukkah with them and learned about Hanukkah and their religion. And their kids came to my house and they learned about Kwanzaa and how we celebrate certain things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's that exchange. And I think that's what... I think when you Black Lives Matter, the reason I'm seeing it is that we stay in our lane Mm. and I want us to mingle. So I'm mm-hmm. not sure how you do it. So maybe black, you need Black Lives Matter, but they need to start. Maybe, but you need to start mingling and showing that we're a human race. We need to help each other. Yes, yes. We, if, we can't understand I mean, one another without being interconnected. Yes, you know, because if I don't know anything, if I didn't have many friends who were Native and one of my 
most loved person, he's now gone on, uh, Alan Anshi Kunib. I don't know if mm-hmm. you ever heard of yes. Alan Anshi. He lived with me for a while when he needed just some space and time out to organize himself. And he came and lived with, at my house. But he taught me so much about the native way, his native, his um, initial um, Yeah. And he taught us taught me and my children, but it wasn't just me. He took my children out and taught them how to find their way if they're lost in the forest and things like that, you know? So they have a great understanding for the other group, other groups of people besides themselves. Mm -hmm. They have friends who are Jewish and they understand it and stuff, you Mm -hmm. know? So Do, do you think like, I mean, you've lived in so many places um, and and you've been to so many places around the world. You have a special connection to Africa. It, do you think that that being able to have that kind of perspective and have those experiences have informed this idea that all lives matter to, to you? Yes, partly. Yes. I think it, living and staying and living in Africa and learning about the way they see um, the British culture, like, for instance, a lot of them, you know, they wanted to tell me first who their British ancestors were, for instance, in many of the places I was. And then in some of the places they wanted to teach me the old ancient stuff. So mm. I realize how messed up we all are, <laughs> <laughs> including myself. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, so we all matter. I matter. My Fuganian friend over here matter. My Voodoo friend here in Benin matter. And so I just started absorbing and actually my spirituality comes from that. I take the good of every of all the spiritual religious body. I have nothing against Christianity, even though they were the people who took, uh, took us uh, and enslaved us using Christianity. Mm-hmm. But they're good Christians and people who don't buy into that. So, and some parts of Christianity, if you read the Catholic, that most of the Catholic stuff is actually out of Africa, from Africa anyways, and they change it, you know, the instance of this and all, a lot of stuff. And if you go into the Vatican, in the back part of the Vatican, you will find lots of African parts and stuff. They study our way and mm. stuff. But if we take the good of the Catholic, the good of the Baptist, the good of everybody, and here I live in a village and I'm invited. I go to all the churches, mostly all Christian, but I, to me, it's, it doesn't take anything off for me to go. And everything has good and everything has evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just take the good of everything. Black folks have some not some nice good things. Mm-hmm, but take mm-hmm. the good from the black folk you meet and use and use it to enhance your life. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know the other uh, plants, herbs. I can use herbs. Let's take mer- mer- mercury. Mercury that's in the thermometer. Yes, yes. Somebody I know who's a herbalist uses mercury, and it's a very small amount. The top, the circle dot of a small pinhead, and cut in four or six pieces, I don't know, and give just one little piece of that mercury to somebody cures them of syphilis. 
But any more, but any more than that, it will kill you. Right, right. You know, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but I'm just saying, you know, something, for instance, Cersei, I don't know if you know, Cersei is a herbal bush and people use it in many of the African countries, Jamaica, Caribbean countries to purify their blood. Mm. And if you take it once every six weeks, your blood is purifies your blood and works. But if you take it every day or every week, you can slowly poison yourself because it's related to the deadly nightshade. Right. And what does and it mean to purify your blood? They feel that you have taken in a lot of toxin and stuff and doing sugar and stuff. So they want to clean it out. So that will clean it out. But if you take too much, it slowly keeps in your system and slowly kills you, kill, make you sick because it's related. It's arsenic, I think it's yes, related yes. to, or something like that. Um, you said that you're, you are developing a new show right now. You're, you're working on a new show. Is, yes. it, is, it, is it inspired by your work or is it commissioned? Like, how do you create? I never do commission work unless from, it's from the universe. Universe. My all my shows are commissioned by the universe. By the universe. (laughs) By the universe. They dream me and say, "We want you to put this out," and I do. So you dream. You dream your shows before they are before they actually manifest in a material way. Yes, and sometimes I may get something like one of the piece for what I'm working on right now, which you might have seen on Facebook, my new work, yes. 2022. And I put 2022 because I think it, it takes a long time to finish work. Yes. And, the, um, and it's um, something, an item was given to me, I'm not saying yet what it is, um, was so somebody didn't want to throw it out. It came from Africa, but they shouldn't have, and they wanted to not have it anymore. It was their parents. And so they asked me if I could do something with it. And I um, sat around with it for a while, and then it came, I started dreaming how to use it that I need to bring it back to life and tell the story of it. And mm-hmm. so that's what it is, is doing. And then I thought it was just to do, it was to do with an animal and just to do with that animal. And now it's combining the African tradition, Africa, what the slavery and this animal and comparing us. And oh, yes. that, that's, that sounds uh, quite uh, interesting is an understatement. It, it, it is. It is. I find it interesting too. And I actually just wrote up um, because each time a section come, I write it down. I do it, and if they agree, and I'll divine to see if it's right. If that's what I understood it to be, mm. and um, and it it's coming along. It's a nine foot by five foot wall piece. Yeah. Mm. Have you been doing the same art most of your life, like the same type of art, or have you always been exploring different uh, tools and aspects of the visual arts? 
I was exploring different aspects because first I'm very into textile because that's traditional, it's African. And I spent two years in Africa just learning all the different techniques, um, mm -hmm. cassava paste technique and working in the thing. I even got to work in the dye pits in um in um, Nigeria, in Kano, which it's only men that work in there. But I got to work in there in, when I went in the 80s or 90s, can't remember, 90s. I mean, I'm so old, I can't remember dates anymore. And I worked um, with many, many dyers in Africa. And, you know, you'll see on television things about Japanese work so many thousands of years and everybody, oh, they had these techniques all this time. So did Africa. We just somehow, it's not publicized because I guess it's not pretty, pretty. I'm not sure why. For instance, the Kana dye pits is one of the oldest dye pits in the world. Hmm. But I don't see it on television and thing. And maybe because we're always... Other cultures are always trying to take things. Hmm. And so we don't get to see those uh, things. It's thousands of years, but I got to be there, work in there. I hear now that it's closed because there is war or something happening. I'm not sure what's going on because I'm not that connected anymore. But so I used to do it. I painted. I was brought up as a muralist, a mural painter. So I'm, after art school, I went explored other because in Jamaica they use plants to dye and stuff and I wanted to learn that so I did know a lot from the old days in Jamaica yes. as a child and then I went to Africa to learn because Jamaica used the same things that Africans used or, or find other mm -hmm. plants that they can use and so I worked with many many different techniques and then I was so split up on all of them. I love textile. I love painting. I love this. I love building. So I combined it. And that's why I'm, I became an installation artist. Because oh. I can use all the techniques in installation art. Like my last show I did at the AGO, solo show at the AGO, had textile, had painting, had um, making little things, so sculptural stuff. So I can do everything. I didn't have a video, but a lot of times I have video because I have videos too. I do video. Yes. Is there anything, uh, a kind of art form that you want to explore that you haven't explored as of yet? I would love to go to Japan. <laughs> and spend time in Japan just outside of their earthquakes, tsunami, all their major disaster periods, yes. and just learn from the masters. Mm. You, you know, just learn. It's another technique, even though it may be textile, and I do cassava paste. They do a form of paste resist. Mm-hmm. We'd like to compare it with the cassava paste and which I think is similar and combine them. Mm. I believe in combining things. And that's why I think I like the idea of as humans, we combine each other. We visit each other. We feel yes. comfortable with each other and yes. know their traditions. Know, and that's one reason I 
study a lot of spirituality and not just, you know, I do comparative religion. I taught comparative religion for a while in Jamaica mm-hmm. um, because I was so interested in all you need to know all so that if I meet you, I can say to you, um, you really, you should follow this tradition or that tradition. And even if it's say in the Christian faith, um, I think the Catholics um, tradition would be the thing for you or the Baptist or stuff. By yes. knowing it, you can pass it on because you, a lot of people are searching. And I think that's what I'm doing mostly is mm-hmm. helping them find the point where they are, where they need to be. Mm-hmm. We're all searching. I'm searching. I'm searching to reach home. It's kind of like and doing translation. Yes. Spiritual translation. Oh my goodness. A new name for me, spiritual <laughs> translation. <laughs> but um, it's just doing a lot. Of, uh, and so my art will always, I think, now be installation art, although a lot of people don't, don't buy installation art. And so a lot of times I'll break it up and sell the painting section or this if somebody wants because I need to eat and I need to live. And so an art form. And also I find people are very, very, not afraid, but very unsure about when they know that art's coming from a spiritual place. They don't want to have it in their house. Hmm. They want to come out to a public gallery, look on it, analyze it, phone me, talk to me. One woman, the show at the AGO, one woman phoned me six times to talk to me because each time she went that many times to see it and she kept seeing different things. Because I tend to put it out just to be pleasing to the eye. And I think, you you know, you look at it and if you're just on the surface, you see pretty show. But then if you sit and spend time with it, even the music, the music she said in the last show took her to other places she didn't know existed. Wow. Do, do you think that now because of the pandemic uh, and people's homes have become so much more important and we can't gather in public places, but the thirst and the hunger for art has grown. Do you think that creates a new avenue for you as an installation artist like are you is do do you want to consider creating for people's homes now or you know would you no i have done site specific Mm. (laughs) um in gallery space because galleries give you a lot of freedom but in somebody's home they would like i don't want to have snakes for instance i don't want to have snakes in there and therefore, that restricts me yes. as a person and as a spiritualist and as an African person, because within my culture, snakes are good things. I They're see. one of the only things that go above and below. I see. I see. They're tra- they, it's used for transforming. But because of the Christian story of Adam and Eve and a sm- snake gave them the apple, they think of it as evil, hmm. but they don't, but I find it very funny. They think the snake is evil, but they don't think of the apple as evil. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's a, that's really interesting. So you mean like if if somebody had snakes in their home, you you wouldn't want to create something for their home? No, no, no. Oh, I, I may want to put snake in my. Oh, you may want to put snake. You may want to put snake in the in your installation, and that may not go into with the home owner. <laughs> yes, you're right. No, not every. I mean, that's a very personal choice. Yeah. Um, so for me, being a spiritual artist, wouldn't. But you know, if they come in, if they see a thing, and I'm breaking that installation apart, you know, they may want to, the last one. Somebody asked about two of the well, one of the painting don't belong to me anymore. Somebody had bought the painting. Yes. And but if they know it's on loan for whenever I need to use it in the show. Got it. Okay. It's the one in the mask series. You know, the one the mask I wear. Yes, yes. Yeah, that mask basically belongs to somebody else, not me. But I did it. And it's a picture of me wearing a mask. Because wow. I wear a mask all the time. And that's before we were wearing uh, masks. That's before the pandemic. Yes. And, and the mask you're, you're talking about is the, um, you know, sort of the social construct, right? Yes. Yeah. You have to, you have a sitting here, have to be a certain persona yes. and put on a certain thing to people. While yes. in your home, you're a different person to your children. Mm-hmm. When you're teaching yoga or whatever you teach yes. to your students, you're a different person. You wear a different mask. Yes, yes. yes. We all wear masks. You can't take the mask off because people will, I have taken off my mask. I don't wear the mask. I did. And that was when I did the painting, when I decided I'm not going to be, I'm going to be who I feel I want to be at the moment. Not because you are a professor. I am going to act a certain way. Yes. I'm going to act how I feel like acting. My spirit is going to direct how I should act. So I did the painting that I'm away. Uh, um, the mask is was on it's mm. not on anymore wow well that's you are so fascinating i could talk to you all day all day and uh and and i hope to talk to you again very soon but i think i know that you're busy and i've you know i can't talk to you all day today but i am just so grateful that you've come on and you've you've shared your your story so openly and and authentically because I think there's so many people who've been wondering where are you and 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 those of those who know you're in Belize trying to understand like where what are you doing in Belize and when are you coming back uh, to Canada? In Belize, I'm training the young people um, <laughs> to, to use their eyes for themselves, think for themselves, because mm. it's a culture where children should be heard, should be seen, but not heard. Mm. And for me, um, you need, for instance, this kid who I do mentoring, and I find a lot of mentors for people. And she was talking to me about um computer and I was saying and I told her some what I knew about something because I computers when I computers I know computers it's been in a room and all you could do was mathematical questions when I was in school yes now if somebody had told me I would have this personal computer dealing with you (laughs) I would kind of like yeah yeah the future 
Dick Tracy and <laughs> left it at that because if yes. you remember, Dick Tracy used to have these two-way watches that you yes. could talk to. Now it's common and yes. people thought it was the future. The future is <laughs> happening right now with us. There's no yes. future. But I was telling her at the, when I was in the past, what I had seen for computers and now, and also answering her question. That she, and she said, no, miss, no, miss, it's not that, it's this, this. And her mother was sitting there and her mother said, don't, don't speak to her. Don't, don't answer back. Listen, she, she knows what she's talking about. And I told her mother, I said, you know, she's telling me what she has heard. So it's okay. We are having a discussion. And I said to her, I said, what I want you to do is go and find the, what you just told me, find proof for me and I will go and find proof of what I told you and we'll come back we'll meet in two days time and we'll exchange if you're right you're right if you're wrong you're wrong or I'm right I'm right and wrong and so two days we met and she looked at me and she said miss you were right I said no you were right I found proof of what you said and she said and I found proof of what you said I said we're both right Mm. You know, there's not one. Her mother, and I made sure her mother was sitting there to, that day. Her mother was doing yes. something. And I said, Come and listen to our discussion. And I said, Your daughter, who was 14 at the time, taught me something. Mm. And I taught her something. That's why we need to listen to young people because she's coming from it at this point. Yes. I was coming to it from my old days. Yes, powerful, powerful. Well, we need to do much more of that winsome winsome thank you for being you are here welcome. i'm Bye-bye. so grateful it was nice talking to you nice seeing you again and i hope we meet again we will we will indeed my friend thank you so okay. much thank you for joining the conversation we are growing an amazing community here at let's talk please share the show make sure you're subscribing and keep talking and you can always reach out to me at coachshaymarville.com or on Instagram at shaymarville. Let's talk. Let's keep talking.